Welcome to the CX Fanatics podcast, the show that helps DTC businesses increase revenue, referrals, and retention through exceptional customer experience. Tune in weekly for interviews, insights, and inspiration that will catapult not only your profits, but your growth. I'm your host, Elisa Connor. Let's get into the show. Hello, hello, and welcome to this week's show. This is part two of our three-part series, and we started last week with talking about customer experience before the sale. So if you missed that episode, I will link it up in the corner. I'm not sure which corner it will be for you. (laughs) Video is weird that way. Um, So this week, we are talking about improving and um, strategizing customer experience during the sale. So if you missed last week's episode, you might want to start there because if you don't, you might... um, realize you're kind of halfway through the process, because this is definitely a process that you want to create and align your customers with. So really what we're going to talk about today is creating a flawless customer experience for our new customers so that they not only have a good experience with us to start with, but also continue to have a good experience so that they, one, want to continue to buy from us, and two, tell all their friends, family, and people that they know how wonderful we are, because that will bring us additional leads and customers without us having to do a bunch of work, money, or... um advertising, et cetera, to go get new leads. Okay, so we are going to dive into three different steps because I like to make these easy and actionable um, for you to implement excellent customer experience from the get-go when somebody says, hello, yes, here's my credit card, give me your stuff, and let's not drop the ball. Let's make sure that we are um, walking them through the process, they know what expectations to have, Um, And if they are waiting for something to come to them, either a physical product or they're waiting for something to show up in their inbox, that they know what to expect, when to expect it, and what to do next. Because a lot of times when people have buyer's remorse and they ask for a refund and things like that, it's because their customer experience with a company is not has been less than ideal. And so we want to ensure that we are getting off on the right foot with them so that not only are they having a good experience with us uh, as a first-time customer, um, but also that they continue to have a good experience with us so that when we come out with the different offers and different products and different solutions down the line, they are ready to jump on board because they know what to expect from you as a business. So number one, sometimes as business owners, selling can feel blucky. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's not a word. You can look it up, but you know what I mean? It doesn't feel good and we don't like to do it. And so we sort of dance around the question and we don't really get to the point and we don't ask for the sale. And so I want to encourage you to not only ask for the sale, but also reframe your mindset about what it means to ask for the sale. And so this is something that I've had to do in my own business and that I um, encourage my clients to do as well. And that is to look at your solution and you're offering your solution to your potential customers and the people that are wanting to buy from you as a service. You are helping them solve a problem. And regardless of what type of business you have, if it's a product business, if you're in a wine club business, or you're um, in a service-based business, you are solving a problem. That is what you're in business to do. And if you look away, if you're not looking at your business in that fashion, I want to challenge you to do so. And so I came up with an example um, that comes from the perspective of we're helping our customers. And it was from an industry that is near and dear to my heart. Um, And I think that they would 
maybe struggle a little bit with, you know, how are we helping our customers? And so this might help you think about your product or solution um, a little bit differently. And so the first example I want to give you, I think I have, yeah, I have two different examples here. So I wanted to make sure I had to look at my notes. Um, so the first one is in the wine industry. And you may be thinking, what kind of problem? I mean, wine can solve problems, but are people going to pay for those solutions? Um, and, you know, kind of tongue in cheek. But in reality, wine does solve problems, especially if you have a wine club. So let's go through the problems that the wine, a wine club in the wine industry can solve. Um, so the first one is that you can help them shop for wine without the overwhelm. So how many times have you gone into a liquor store and you are, or even the grocery store now, there's so many different places that you can buy alcohol and you just look and you're like, oh my word, there are so many bottles here. I just don't even know what to look at. What did, what did my friend say? Which one did she say she drank? Oh, I don't even know. I can't remember. I wish I would have looked at the bottle. Then I would at least know what label I was looking for. And it can be super overwhelming, especially to somebody who is not a connoisseur of wine. Now, people enjoy certain types, but I've been in the position, and I'm sure other people have as well, where you get a wine and you're like, oh, it's a Pinot Grigio. I really like that. And then you get a different brand and you're like, oh, this one's not as good. Like, I wish I would have could remember the first one I had or whatever it is. Well, the wine club eliminates this because if they have a good experience with your brand in one way, shape, or form, they know what kind of quality and what kind of taste they are going to receive. And so you get rid of that whole like overwhelm of trying to figure out which wine is a good wine, which one. And then the worst is if you, sh if you're serving the wine at an occasion, a birthday or holiday, or you have friends in town, you're like, Oh, I got this wine. And then they try it and they're like, that's the worst. <laughs> and then you're embarrassed. So you can help them avoid all of that. You can help them avoid the embarrassment, the overwhelm of choosing a wine, because here you are on a platter, here's your wine, and even better, you don't have to go get it. And this is probably the biggest reason um, that the biggest problem you're going to solve for people is that with a wine club, you are giving them back their time. They don't have to get in a car. They don't have to fight traffic. They don't have to go to the store, find a parking place. Um you know, manage the crowds, especially as the holidays start coming when this, this at the time of this recording, we're right going right into the holiday season. So if you're listening later, um, just be aware of that. But, you know, time is precious. Like everybody I know says, can't get my time back and I don't have enough time in the day. And so you are giving them back a precious resource that they don't have to manage. They don't have one more thing to manage. Because with a wine club, your wine, your delicious wine that's already been picked out and you know it's going to be a hit is waiting for you at your house. You don't have to go somewhere to get it. It's like the Amazon of love. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. But anyway, it gives you the opportunity to give them their time back. And when you share that information with them, um, it's much more likely that they're going to be interested in not only joining the wine club, but being a long-term member of the wine club. So that's number two. And number three is, is that they are always going to be prepared. How many times have you had like where you're invited to a party at the last minute and then you're like, oh, I got to go to the store and I got to get some wine because I want to have a hostess gift. Or you're like, oh, they asked us to bring wine or people stop by and you're like, oh, I wish I had a glass of wine to offer you. And it's just nice to have good wine on hand and be prepared. 
And so if you're in a wine club, you not only have the wine to offer them, but you have the story behind the wine. And sometimes that makes the wine even more delicious. So there's three problems that a wine club can solve. Time, um, overwhelm from not knowing what to shop and helping people be prepared for unexpected company, unexpected guests, or occasions um, where they need to either gift wine or have wine available to celebrate. So that is example number one. Now, if you wanted to up-level that experience of the wine club, you could also add in some extra things with your wine club. And I haven't seen other people do this yet, Um, especially in a um, virtual capacity. I've seen this happen with different events and things like that. If you're a wine club member, you're invited to different events. But if you don't live locally to that winery, as you know, the wineries I know of are not necessarily around... um, high populated areas. And so the winery might be having an event, but it's not convenient for somebody that lives two, three, five, 10, 20 hours away to come to those events. So I want you to think outside the box a little bit and think about how could you provide extra value to people that are in the wine club without them traveling to the winery. And that may um, not be something that you're necessarily um, thinking about, but it could definitely benefit not only your label, but the uh, likelihood that people will stay in the wine club. And so think about what you could offer. I go back to an example that I gave a few episodes ago, when I was in, uh, it was during COVID. And uh, I had a friend invite, it was a friend of a friend and invited me to an online cooking class. And the cooking class was actually presented. And um, they cooked with us and they were in Italy. But through the power of Zoom, we could, and the people that I did the class with, nobody was here. One was in Belize, one, um, a couple of people were in California, there was a couple of people on the East Coast, and then there were people um, in Italy doing this class. And so it is very possible for you to offer an experience, whether it is pairing food with um, your specific, you know, uh, release, or a specific vintage that you, you know, that you're trying to promote or that you just release to club members only or whatever that is, or if you um, have certain uh, types of wine that people prefer or that are more popular, maybe you create a class around that that is an extra that you get only as a wine club member. And so um, making those extras exclusive to the wine club um can be a little bit scary. And I know people don't want to do that. But that can also ensure that you retain the people in the wine club because they are like, Oh, yeah, I'm going to lose those exclusives if I if I cancel. Um, But also, the experiences are what people are going to talk about. And so I'm not sure if I gave you the example, but I actually talked to somebody in one of the bigger labels that um, I I don't know why they were doing this. They were trying really hard to jump on the experience bandwagon. And unfortunately, when I heard what they were doing, I was like, I'm not really sure how that's growing the wine business. But they were offering excursions to the property where people could go and drive their ATVs around and check out the property. And at the end, I was like, well, are they buying wine? She's like, oh, no, but they're coming for the excursions. And I'm like, that seems very counterproductive. And so when you're creating experiences, I want to implore you to think about the end game. And so many times in business, we get so focused on the sale um, 
that we're just like, oh, get the product out there in front of people that we don't think about the end game. And people do this all the time with social media. They'll just be posting beautiful pictures and behind the scenes and whatever, and then they don't have a way for people to take the next step. And so if you haven't put that into your customer experience before the sale, um, and even during the sale, you're going to have a really hard time getting people to convert from any of those platforms. So let's come back to where we were and get into example number two, because I like to give examples from different industries. So the next one is if you have a service-based industry. And the one that I picked um, is an actual uh, home service. I was trying to think of what I was, but the same could be said for like a coaching business. Um, I work with a lot of consultants and coaches. And so this could also work for you. But I wanted to think outside the box because sometimes if we have those outside the box examples, it's a little easier to relate. So I thought, um, what about a heating and air conditioning company? Somebody that does furnace repair and things like that. Like how could they, what problem are they solving other than um, I don't have heat in my house? Or there's a leak and I need somebody to come fix it because there's water all over my kitchen, bathroom, laundry room, whatever. And so that is always an emergency situation. And yes, we have to call them. But what? how could you be of service? How could you solve a problem before the problem happens in that industry? And so that's what I kind of brainstormed. So I was thinking about this from the perspective of how could you turn those one-time emergency clients into a subscription service in the heating and air conditioning uh, world. And this isn't something that most, like I've seen it done, but it's not been done well. And so I was trying to think outside the box, like how could this be done well that people would actually be interested in subscribing to a more long-term or a long-term commitment with one of these companies. And so what I came up with was when somebody's furnace goes out, they always, it's always the woulda, shoulda, coulda or hindsight 2020 mentality. Like, oh, I probably should have changed my furnace filter more, or I probably should have had somebody look at this more often so that I wouldn't be in this emergency situation where it's 20 below zero and 50 other people's furnaces have gone out. And now I'm one of them. And now I'm waiting because they can't get here and we're freezing and we got to figure out what to do with you know, the dogs and the kids and the, you know, all the things like, where are we going to go? Because it's freezing. Do we have to get a hotel room? Whatever. And so I was thinking of it from that perspective, like how do we build that long-term relationship with people from the beginning so that they know they're taken care of regardless of an emergency. So what I came up with was with a subscription model, you could offer people that have, that are in that subscription and whatever that model looks like for your business. I'm not in heating and air conditioning. I'm just coming from an outside point of view. Um, but you know, they would get expedited service because they are a premier member or whatever you want to call them. Um, they would get maintenance, uh, twice a year maintenance, maybe once in the spring for air conditioning and once in the fall for their heater, they would get monthly reminders and automatic filter shipping for their, um, furnace filter. They would get, uh, you know, maybe twice a year cleaning so that they, cause I know like, for example, my mom and my aunt, they don't know how to do maintenance on any of these things. They're, you know, they're both widowed and, and I wouldn't know how to do it. But, you know, if I was a smart company, I would be going to those people and saying, Hey, we have this maintenance program. You pay $30 a month and you're taking care of for the whole year. And I'm just throwing out numbers. I don't know how much it would be, 
but it would include things like we're going to clean your air conditioner when we come out and maintenance it. We're going to change your furnace filter um, when we're there, but then we're also going to give you this video. So you know how to do it every whatever recommended weeks. I think it's like every two months or three months. And not only that, but you don't have to go to the store and figure out what furnace filters because we're going to have them here for you because you're part of our elite program. And so making it really easy. And then not only that, but they get a dedicated technician because then they get to know the person that comes in and does the repairs and is always doing the maintenance. And there's not some stranger in their house. It's somebody that they can rely on that comes every other month. And that's going to provide them um, a little bit of, oh, not safety, but they're they're going to feel like there's a little bit more security there and that they um, are they have an expectation that the same person is going to show up regularly. Um, And then they get a monthly reminder in their email or their mailbox or both that says, hey, it's time to change your furnace filter or a text message or whatever option they choose. Um, And then in that, you know, they can have a link to a video. Like if you forgot how to do it, here's a video. And you're just basically hand holding them through the entire process. And then um, they would get... um, regular videos on like you could send them a weekly or bi-weekly email that talks about, Hey, um, the temperatures are really going up. Here's some great ways that this is what people would normally do, but this is actually the best way to lower your electric bill um, or, you know, anything like that. And so they get like this white glove treatment. And then when something does happen, because, you know, if you own a home, you have the expectation that, things wear out. So eventually, you know, if something did happen and the air conditioner went out or the furnace came out, they one have a trusted person that they can call to take care of it. They're going to get preferential treatment because they're already in this elite program. And, you know, you can decide whether or not, depending on how long they've been in the program, whether or not it's worthwhile for them, um, for you to offer them a discount because they are in the elite program. So that is a way that you could create a subscription business that, you know, they're paying you every month and you're delivering a white glove treatment to them, but you also have um, consistent revenue coming from clients and you're building not only the trust and the uh, connection with those customers regularly, that when, you know, whether or not they have a problem and they need to replace a unit they're going to tell other people about the way you treat them and how you handhold them. And people are craving that attention and it's not happening right now. So that is an example of how you could in a service-based industry, specifically like a direct to consumer business, create a um, subscription model. So if you aren't thinking about a subscription model for your business, the time is now because it's a way for you to not just wait for those, um, super busy seasons to hit and you can ride the the waves of business in, in a more comfortable fashion. So if you have a business, you want me to brainstorm, let me know. Um, there's a great way for you to do that. I have uh, 10 monthly calls that I do that are brainstorming sessions that I do for free. And um, I do make people apply for them because there's only 10 slots could because my calendar is busy. Um, But if you ever want to do that and you want to brainstorm through a way that you could create a subscription for your business, that's something we can do in that call. And the link for that is on my website everywhere. So you can just go to dtcgrowthclub.com and then hit the book book uh, or apply for a call, I think is is the button. And you can hit that and we can have one of these little sessions and talk about this. Tip number two for making the experience during the sale 
um, and I alluded to it just a second ago with my example, more seamless is to anticipate frequently asked questions before customers ask them and then have that information available. So whether that is your sales team that is answering those questions or you have it on a sales page or you have an FAQ page on your website that is searchable, please make it searchable because if it's not, it makes it really hard for people um, to find. They don't want to sift through pages of questions. Um, And so anything that you can do to make it easier for them to get their questions answered. uh, Another great way is um, I'm trying to think of the like Zendesk, the chatbot, and you feed them the information. There are other chatbot options out there with AI. There's a plethora of things. If you um, are interested in that, leave a comment and I will dig in and do a little bit more, an in-depth episode about that, about chatbots and how you could utilize utilize those in your business. I think the easiest ones to set up are the ones that go into Facebook or Instagram, but that could be a way for you to answer FAQs and get people information even before they ask or to um, expand your team resources when you have a smaller team or you don't have somebody that's dedicated to answering those customer questions. Um, They can go get an answer. A lot of times people, when they're thinking about purchasing, it's not always on the business hours of a business. And so when you can have the the questions available um, with answers, the the likelihood that they'll move forward and purchase is much higher. So that is number two, to start answering questions um, before they're asked. And a great way to come up with those answers, and this is what I tell people that I work with, a great way to come up with the FAQs for your website or whatever is to just start keeping a list of questions that you get asked quite often by clients or um, potential clients on social media, things like that. Um, and then just put them in a Google Google spreadsheet or Google Doc. And then when you go to write these or you need to feed information to your chatbot, you already have the information. It's just sitting there and you can have multiple um units in your organization or teams in your organization put information into that same spreadsheet as it comes up and then it makes it easy. And that's what the the big guys do. So if you're a smaller business, that's usually who I um, attract and work with. You have the potential to still play like one of the big guys without having all of the team and resources and things that a lot of those bigger organizations have. And so um, don't let that intimidate you. And you, um, what I always tell people when they're starting to dive into some of these things that seem like they're really um, big, a big project is one bite at a time, start from where you are, and just know that every day is one more step of progress. So when you have that running document, you know, you might want to have like have it color coded or something. So you know the, the questions you've already answered and you put those maybe on a different tab or um, you somehow mark like the ones that are the most asked. So, you know, like if it's being asked again and again, then you need to address it somewhere um, because whether you have a chat bot or you are using social media or your website, it is a living, breathing organism and it has to evolve with your business. And I think that's where people get into trouble is they create a website and they're like, Oh, it's done. Let's go. <laughs> it's like, no, your business is still moving and growing. So that means everything that you do within your business organization needs to do the same. So with that being said, um, answering those frequently asked questions will make a 
One, it'll make not only the sales process smoother, but it also makes it a lot easier for people to say yes when they're at that tipping point. If you make it difficult for them to go and search out information or find the answers that they're looking for or whatever that might be, then um, the likelihood that they'll just say, "Ah, it's not worth it is much, much higher, much, much higher. And you've done so much work to get them to the almost yes or the yes um, position that you don't want to throw that away with poor customer experience. So that is tip number two is to answer as many frequently asked questions or as many questions as you can and just start, start today, start now, start answering those questions um, in whatever capacity you, you have available, whether that's just a page on your website um, or even a social media post, like we get asked this all the time, this is what we think. And then, you know, keep a record of that so that you can put it in multiple places. Um, because the sooner you can get the information out to people, the the quicker that those questions get answered and that people will move forward with purchasing and um, be happier customers. And then um, the either the the last uh, point I have in here kind of goes back to not only um, the website, but social media piece is that you need to make it really easy for people to say yes. And I can't tell you the number of social media accounts or website websites I've been on where you have to hunt to figure out how to buy from somebody. Like there's no buy now, there's no buy now button. You can't find the shop. You've got to call somebody you're on the social media account and they've got like 17 links. And you're like, I don't even, what is all this? And it's like, it's so overwhelming to our human brains because it's not because we let's just face it. We don't have the attention span for that. If you have more than two or three choices for links on anything that you're doing, go delete them because nobody's reading all that crap. And that is just straight up fact. Like people don't have the time for that. The last I read, the last statistic I had was that the human attention span is less than a goldfish. So it's like seven seconds. So if, and that is not only to grab people's attention, but that is to keep their attention. And that's because you've got social media um, reminders going off. You've got work calling, you've got your phone ringing, you've got texting, you have like all these things going on constantly. And so if you make it difficult for people to get to the click, buy, and, um, you know, purchase, here's your credit card information order, they're just not going to buy. They're going to go find somewhere else to do it. And I found myself doing it when um, I've purchased you know, things in, in life, <laughs> you know, there's a reason Amazon is so popular because they make it easy. Now that is both fortunate as a consumer and unfortunate as a business, because that means as a business, you have to meet the same expectations. You can hate it. You can love it, whatever you want, but it is what it is. Like they have set the standard And now we as businesses have to meet that standard. Now, does that mean we have to have the same inventory and all those things? That's not going to be possible. We're not Amazon. But as far as customer experience, we have to meet the standards they have set, which is knowing our customers, understanding our customers, making it so easy for them to say yes when they're ready to check out, and then making that um, experience post-checkout so simple that it's just like clockwork. Think about when you order from Amazon, you get immediately, you get a confirmation, oh, 
we have placed your order. It'll be there on blah, blah. And it tells you, you know, when it's coming. And then you go to your email and it says, oh, you placed an order. Here's your order that you just placed for Amazon. You should expect it on blah, blah for this item and blah, blah for this item, you know, Tuesday for this item, Saturday for this item. And then if there's a delay, you get an email. Oh, we're so sorry. Your item has been delayed. If you still want it to come, you don't need to do anything. If you want to cancel it, you need to push this button. If you, so that is what people's expectations are. And if we're not meeting those expectations, it's no wonder that we don't have customers that stick around or actually move forward with purchasing. So I want you to think through that process for your business, which is the point of this episode is to really just start getting getting you to think through that process and how does it work for you and your customers and um, at every stage of the buying process. So that's before their customers right now as they're becoming and why, you know, as they're purchasing or ready to purchase and how are we meeting them where they are at such an exceptional level that they have no qualms about saying, here is my money, take it and send me your stuff. So with that being said, quick recap on um, what we talked about today during the sale. And that is one, to get over the mindset that asking for the sale is blicky. That is a, that's a real world word. I'm just calling it a word. Um, and shift our mindset to one of how are we helping our customers? Number two is um, to answer frequently asked questions before they're asked and to make that information readily available in any way, shape, or form that your customers might want to go find it. And then number three is to make it easy for people to say yes. Don't make them hunt on your website on for a way to purchase. Don't make them pick up the phone at 11 o'clock at night trying to buy from your wine club because they're not going to do it. They're going to go off and find something else to do. Um, or, you know, making it so convoluted to understand what they're purchasing. That's the other thing you find is like, there's just so much text, make it simple, have a chart. You get this, this, and this, or you get this choice, this, this, and this, whatever it might be. Um, and make it easy for people to say yes. So that's what we have for this week. There's one more episode. Again, if you missed the first episode, of this series. Uh, I will, it's linked in the show notes below. And then also um, it will, let's see, I don't know on the podcast, it was, it was the episode right before this. And then there's one more to go. And that will be after the sale. We're going to talk about customer experience after the sale and how um, creating that experience after the sale, actually during every stage of the sale, but specifically after the sale, that's where a lot of people drop the ball. And um, I have some specific examples again for you on different things, different experiences that I've had, um, both exceptional and both uh, not so good. So we can always learn from the uh, not so good because uh, we know what not to do. So thank you so much for spending some time with me today. I hope that you have at least one action step that you can put into effect today and that knowing that taking these small steps with your business um, over time are going to help you grow and um, excel past your competitors, but also increase your profits and your customer loyalty. So thanks again for tuning in. I will see you next week. In the meantime, take care, be well, and stay safe. Did you miss something in the show today? Didn't have time to take notes listening on the go? No worry, I've taken notes for you. You can head on over to DTC Growth Club 
facebook.com forward slash podcast, and there will be links and a description to today's episode. In the meantime, take care, stay well, and I'll see you soon.